you have your Bibles, we're going to continue today in 1 John. And I'm pretty excited. This this letter I'm very excited about is we as a church are spending this year, when we're 10 years old, leaning in. And 1 John very much is going to be about and, and is starting to be about how to live in community, what grace looks like as we live it out together. And boy, you know, we started last week. And, and we started and we went into door number two, which means my relationship with God, my daily thinking about me is never that I don't sin. It's only that my hope is in confession and, 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 and living out loud and realizing Jesus has covered me. That, that's going to start to make its mark as we walk through John. It's the frame we're going to live in. We've heard his word. His name is Jesus, a word of forgiveness and righteousness found simply by believing him. This is the best news ever. So, so, so remember that, right? As we start today, we're going to start chapter two. If we say we don't sin, we lie. Our relationship with God isn't based on sin management, on personal incremental improvement, on growing in merit. Our relationship with God is based on confession, what he's done for us. Here's the thing. If you're here today and you're part of our church family, I want to step in John's shoes for a minute and just feel, feel like he does when he looks at his kids. And the closest I can do is looking at my kids. And I watch my precious child who I waited for for 10 years to be my kid. And I watch her sleep. So it's nothing about what she's doing. And I just so wish that she could know with all her heart that she's mine, that she's part of our family, that no matter what life holds, no matter how well she does or how poorly, that through every up and every down, she would always know that her dad has her back, that she's loved by me. That's just my daughter, right? But how much more our father, how much more our dad? And yet today, I would say, One of the things that afflicts us, that probably afflicts you, is the idea of, am I really saved? Am I really? Is God really for me? I want to hit that head on because John is so often used wrongly to rob people of their assurance. This is what we're talking about as assurance, is confidence. Knowing in the depth of your heart forever and ever that you're his. So I want you to refocus this morning on our champion. That's what I'm calling this, our, our champion. Because, because we have a champion and he's before God for us and our assurance should be, our confidence should be based on how confident you are that your champion is able and he's yours. So I, I want to look at that, and, and, and to do that, we're going to look, and John jumps right in on it here um, in a way that often is taken and ripped out of context that we've already started in chapter 1. So we're going to keep that frame. We've come into door number 2. You and I sin all the time. Our only hope is just in openly walking in the light that Jesus Christ has forgiven our sin. Oh, I'm there, and I'm there with you, and we mess up, and we're sinners, and yet... We're saved. Okay, so the first thing we need to do is we need to actually take a quick look and see sin. Recoil at it. 
It's there, and it, John, 1 John chapter 2 starts this way. So my little children, writes John, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. You see, these verses that we're talking about today, they go with what we talked about last week, but it's worth slowing down and making sure you're on the same page with John about sin. There's a strange check that comes on when I just framed it and I said, hey, hey, we just walk in the light and we're all sinners, that people get this flag. Maybe you've had it. It's like, man, all this talk about grace. You're just saying sin doesn't matter. You're just, it's code word for cheap grace. It's code word for saying, hey, go sin and sin freely and we'll just trust Jesus and we'll, no, says John. <laughs> this peace that's saying that simple trust in Jesus is your righteousness and is your cleansing. That this fear that comes in is that we're going to live like sin is nothing. And John says, no, I really don't want you to sin. I write these things not so you sin freely. I wish you wouldn't sin. I'm not writing to condone sin. Sin is ugly and harmful and bad. You know, you know what's always hanging out there, isn't it? The beauty of the law of God. It's beautiful. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away my whole life. What it might look like to love God perfectly. To love people as, as I love myself. And, and I see glimpses and I, I say, wow, that's beautiful when I see it. When I see, when I see a loving marriage over 10, 20, 30, 50 years. I see the love of a mom for her kid. I see a hungry person fed and cared for, truly cared for. I see faithfulness. I see, I see, I see the child caring for his parents. I see generosity that, that comes out of this amazing love for the Lord. And I just, oh, it's beautiful. Humility and kindness and thoughtfulness. And, and on the flip side, right, when I see people steal or be proud, prideful and being yuck. I'm not writing to tell you not to sin. I don't want you to sin. Avoid it, says John. And John knows because he's coming off chapter 1, right? If you say you do not sin, you're a liar. So the tension of our life, right? We know that sin is bad, and we see it in our own lives, and it overtakes us. We enter in. John, it's too late. He knows this. That marriage over decades, sure, it looks great, but you know, over time, because we're sinners, that affects the other person. We start to, we don't have perfection in it, and we get through, but there's damage done as one spouse withdraws, and the other one's always nagging, or or we make it through, and there's forgiveness, but I'll tell you what, there are things that happen, right? When I look at my kids, And I realize, oh man, oh yeah, I do my very best to love them with all my heart. But I'm a fallen sinner. The things I do that don't aren't right. And it affects them. It affects their personality. It affects who they are. There's damage done. I hate it. I say that because I'm the person I am because of how I was raised. And it wasn't 100% perfect. It made me, affected me.
over time, you know, time after time getting angry, splashes on kids, shapes who they are, working hard, working late hours to be a faithful employer, trying to get over here, but then you're not doing enough at home in terms of, of loving on the kids, and there's this tension, and, 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 and you see it, you see this not perfectness that is you, and you get judgmental of others who don't work hard, or you don't have the same commitment to frustrated or withdrawn. And you know what? Sin, I see it in my own life, it stinks. <laughs> you know what's worse? We stink because we sin. Nobody wants you to sin. John doesn't, I don't, it's but <laughs> it's too late. And the beautiful law sits there, shining and wonderful, and all it does is it points a finger at you. Now, other people might not point a finger at you because you might be doing better than they are, and so they're not going to point the finger. But I'll tell you what points the finger, this beautiful law of perfection that says, oh, it's, it's gorgeous, you should never sin. Sin is ugly, and you agree, but it's too late. It's too late. That's why I love that Mercy Me song, I think it is. It's just like a hero who takes the stage when at the, at the edge of our seat we're saying, it's too late. Let me introduce you to amazing grace. See, I, I wish you wouldn't in reality, but you do is also reality. And it's the reality. I wish you wouldn't, says John. Not, oh, I'm so eager that you sin. You see, though, we have a hero. We do. But if anyone does sin, oh, now he's talking about you, and he's talking about me. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous goes on to say he's the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the whole, the sins of the whole world. Oh, the sweetness. Do you start to see? He says this, right? Like a cool breeze on a hot day. It's Bellingham. I should say like a hot cup of coffee on a cold day. That you take, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there is sin, and, and, and I and I do sin, but I sins, and that's me. I've got it. Doesn't sound like a very fun word. I mean, you've got a lawyer? Because that's how we use this word, right? But you probably know the word in Greek. The word in Greek is paraclete. It's a word you normally associate with the Holy Spirit. The word we normally say helper. Uh, we, we say intercessor. I think the way you should think about it best in English here is that he champions you. That's advocating, right? He cha- he's your champion. He, he, in fact, his title there, he comes before the Father, Jesus, Messiah. Not only that, the righteous. So you get this picture of the maker of the universe who's made everything, who's totally holy and perfect and without any blemish. And there, coming before him is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Scars on his hands. He's fully God too, but he champions who? You. Jesus for the sinner, 
By the way, that's super important. It's not Jesus comes before the Father for his righteous kids. It's Jesus comes before the Father. Jesus comes for the sinner, not the righteous actor, not the one doing marriage faithfully, not the one raising his kids perfectly, not the one balancing life rightly, not the loving and sacrificing and being good person. No. Jesus is for the one who is sinning. The one who cries out, mercy, my hope is in Jesus. And Jesus the righteous, says John, he champions the sinner. The ugly one. He says, this one is mine. I died for this one. My blood covers this one. My righteousness belongs to this one. This one who my little child believes and trusts in me. This is radical. This is my hope. The forgiveness and righteousness is mine. This is my hope for you. That forgiveness and righteousness is yours. Not but because you have a champion. Jesus champions you right now. Okay, so John goes on to say, right, Jesus is good for it. That's basically what this verse 2 says. He's the propitiation for our sins, right? That's the payment, the covering, the absorber of all sin, not of the entire world. It's not a statement of universalism. That's a statement of power. Your Jesus has the strength. His blood was enough. It's strong enough. I always, you know, I go into the public schools. I get to sometime and I get to talk about Jesus to people. And the question always comes up. What? He was so bad, he couldn't go to heaven. Yeah, well, my Christianity doesn't just say he can if he would trust Jesus. It says, I'm Hitler. If anybody sins or breaks a single thing, you've broken the whole law. And my flesh says, no, I'm not Hitler. I'm not that bad. No, but you don't understand. It's not about you. You're as bad as you can be. It's about the strength of your champion. If you'll believe him. So so, so there you are. And then here we are. My hope isn't in cleaning up. Though John, like me, he wishes you weren't dirty. I, it's no fun for my daughter to run the house. I was, oh, that's fantastic. Muddy paw prints all over. No, you're free, but you're not. My hope isn't in cleaning up. It's in my champion. You see, don't you see how this goes with what we talked about last week? Right of a parcel. A whole new, whole new way of relating with God, of trusting in Jesus. Look what he does for you and me. See how confidence is grounded right here that Jesus champions you. Soon as I say it, you know, soon as I, I, I have us try and dwell in this amazing, amazing peace of leaning into my Savior saying, oh, he's for me. Somebody wants to steal that incredible joy that the Holy Spirit has brought with the Word of God. They want to steal it from you. I think it's the accuser. But he worms his way into our churches even. You get people saying, he whispering. What is he whispering? Not that Jesus isn't enough. Not that Jesus isn't strong enough. He's whispering that you're not his. That's the whisper. 
You're not worthy, you know. You're not really. Yeah, Jesus died for his people. You're not really Jesus's. I was talking to a dear, dear friend this week. Fantastic, fantastic lover of Jesus. He said, hey, do you know you're going to heaven. Ah, not 100%. He said, Maybe 65%. 65%? That means you're living your life under this way. Jesus died for me. And, 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 and you know what? So Avenues of life. You're not just resting knowing act your life in ways you can't even imagine if you really leaned into that truth. We need to talk for a minute about our confidence, about the assurance. And, and this is first John is used this way. John has just we've now been through the first chapter and two verses, chapter two of John. He has set up his frame. You've got a comforter. You've got a champion. He is for you. You sin, and your sin doesn't keep you from God. And yet people take now this frame and move it towards you not having confidence. Assurance is the sort of spiritual word that Jesus Christ is yours. Starts right away. Let me give you the statement, people. Now, they don't talk about this flow. They go right just to verse 3. Here, read it with me. And by that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. So, did you see how Jesus forgives sin? I know he does, but am I? You're not careful. You'll read the verse like this. I can only really know that Jesus is my champion if I keep his commandments. I mean, isn't that kind of what it says? I know Jesus is for if I keep his commandments. And that puts you right back. You might as well not even read the first part of 1 John. Because what you've just done. I can only know that Jesus is my champion if I don't sin. But Jesus is my champion to cover my sins. And John says, if I don't, if I say that I don't sin, I'm a liar. So I can never really know. And so for many people, in fact, I grew up in these circles quite a bit, that you can never really know that Jesus has you. Because you never really know if you've done all you need to do to make sure that you're in the family. Keep his commandments. Right? The, the thinking there, you can only have confidence you're a Christian in as much as you don't sin. In as much as you don't keep the commandments, and you say commandments, let's think commandment. He must mean the Ten Commandments. The, the, the ten if I keep the Ten Commandments, Jesus is my champion when I keep the Ten Commandments. So when I don't sin or charitably, I can only my confidence that Jesus covered my sin when I don't sin. The whole point of needing your champion on a daily basis is that you do sin. So this waves of doubt, we have our whole lives, and usually it's faking that we're confident because our lives have improved. What, what you're really doing is hiding your sin. You're not confessing. You're, you're, you're not. And so therefore, this applies directly to us. 
say we base our knowledge of God based on keeping his commandments. We've defined what those commandments are, what him is, what no means. That's... Isn't it, it... Is this the Jews? I mean... I could put this right into Deuteronomy 28. You know, if you keep my commandments, I'll bless you. If you don't, I'll curse you. You can know I'm with you because you do what I say. That, that, in fact, that's kind of walking in the darkness. Everyone who says I know him, but truth is not in him. Now I'm in big trouble because chapter one was essentially saying I, I don't sin, which is I keep what he's, I'm, I'm obedient. If you say that, you're a liar. And now I say that, but I don't keep his commandments. Now I'm a liar. But people don't like John. John, what are you doing? I don't want you to be this. I don't want you to say that you know him but not keep his commandments. Notice that John is black and white. There's no try. There's no try in these verses. It's not, uh, he doesn't say you can know God and try to keep his commandments. It's whether you do. He says that this path, this path of knowing the Father, there is a path of knowing the Father that's based on keeping his commandments. Guess what? There's no champion needed. This is the whole, whole basis by which the Jewish people live by. I can know God by keeping his commandments. It's reaffirmed by Jesus. If you do these things, you'll live. But the full expectation of Jesus developed by Paul in Romans is that he does. And for you, Christian, to try and put yourself back into this system of knowing God by keeping his commandments is a fool's tale because the one of you is done. You can clap. I like that. Right? Everyone who says this is a liar. If I'm going to try and follow this, I'm a liar. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So, in whoever keeps his word... There's this connection there, but I wonder if John hasn't changed reference, and some people think he has to. When he starts out, how do you know God? Well, you know God by keeping his commandments, and look how well that turned out for you. We need somebody who kept it perfectly. How do we know God? Well, he who keeps the logos, the word. Who's the word again? Our champion, Jesus. We, it has echoes, doesn't it, of what John wrote in John chapter 6 when the Pharisees came and said to Jesus, they said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, to believe in him who he has sent. Who did he send? The word. So, so this isn't necessarily from John a word of commandment keeping in the sense that you and I jump to because we jump to every imperative we can find in the Bible. Imperative. No, that's not what he means, is it? 
Because he's already set the frame that you don't, not before, not after, you repent and turn to Jesus. There's not a system here of trying, of, of improving and checking off and getting closer. There's none of that's here. If you're seeing that, you're bringing it in from the outside. Here's the thing. The love of God, not your love, can be poured into your heart today. Only when you get and stay in the place of trusting Jesus is for you. Not in your commandment keeping, not in your incremental improvement, only in abiding in Jesus. And abiding means trusting, trusting the champion, trusting in the statement of the word that he's interceding for sinners. And so finding yourself in the sinner camp. You don't deny you're a sinner and try and stand on your own. You don't say you know him when you're trusting in keeping the commandments. <laughs> and it's no good keeping the commandments and not sinning. No, it's not different. No, it's not. The commandment is, is don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, all the Ten Commandments. But it's also summarized perfectly in love God with everything you have and love people like you love yourself. I'm telling you, if you don't do those things perfectly, you're a sinner. No, you should. You're a sinner. Me too. My only hope is in what Jesus has done. See, I, I don't trust Jesus by not sinning because the whole life I live is that Jesus is covering my sin. <laughs> so, there's a statement, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. See, the issue is, is how are we in him? Are you in him? And then you're obliged, it says, to walk how he walked. And, and, and if you leave the frame that John has placed there for you and me to walk in the light, trust in your obedience or in the obedience of others. That's not the, their relationship with God either, but the, to, for righteousness, but to trust all of us together. We're trusting in Jesus, our champion. If you leave that frame, then this becomes something terrible, terrible. Because you're going to define walking as he walked in any way you can figure out. You may try this. In fact, I say, go ahead and try. Walk like Jesus walked. The perfect son of God who didn't sin ever. Every single thought he had was perfect. Every single thing he did was perfect. Every interaction he had was perfect. Every, every, every thing that came at him, no matter, he died on a cross and a wrong thought. And if you hear it that way, there is no hope for you in that. That is not what John means. We know intuitively in our hearts that we can't be Jesus. So we morph this, right? We morph this in, we ought to try the best we can. And we make it, we make little lists of, of try, and we make it every way. I would put, let me submit to you, he's not talking in every way. He's talking about what it means to abide. What does it mean to abide in your Savior? And if you are abiding, this is the most freeing thing you've ever had. You're in him, you're his. You the flavor. This is, and, and, and so let me bring in for you what I think it means. It's from Philippians. We talked about it earlier. 
It's the same thought Paul had after spending time with Jesus on that road to Damascus. And he said this, right? He said, have this mind among yourselves, which was yours in Christ Jesus. Remember that, that though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This whole passage of Jesus, not saying, I'm going to be like my father. He was. But he emptied himself. And I'm not trusting me. I'm trusting my God. My father. That's what this says, right? I didn't consider that my obedience was going to get me anywhere. I obeyed. I responded because I was trusting. Let me show you what that says. Chapter three of Philippians, he says, Hey, I've got that. I'm going to walk as he walked. I'm going to walk in this utter humility of me. This I'm not keeping the commands like that. This is not my burden. No, let me tell you. So Paul says, I count everything I did. He's talking about all his ethical good deeds, his achievements, his steadfastness, his zealotry. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, he says, for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Follow me, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through trusting Jesus, faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then he goes on to say that I may, what? Know him. This whole thing is about, do you know? Here, says Paul, I've accepted as true the word. What's the word? I'd have no righteousness of my own ever. In order to walk, I will trust in my outside God. I will have in me. Now, I will find no righteousness in my keeping of commands. I will trust something else. This is massive. This is our champion. This is so important for you and me today. This will affect your whole life if you'll let it affect your whole life. If you take this passage in 1 John, and there'll be others because we're going to do the whole book, and you, 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 if you take it wrongly, you're not going to be free. You're going to stay in a cycle of self-examination. Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? And not only self-examination, you're going to start to do that to other people. Are they good enough? Are they doing... You know what? I don't really think that person's saved. Why? I don't think they're obeying enough. Well, they're a sinner? Yeah. Jesus champions sinners. Yeah, but I don't think he's championing that person. The ground for that, you got to be really clear on. Clear in your own heart. Where is your trust? Do you trust that Jesus Christ, the perfect one, champions you before God the Father, and he's your only hope? This is the turn. This is the repentance that leads to salvation, is that you will turn from your own works, and you will turn and say, my hope is Jesus. And that you will do that and be done. You will not then go on to say, and I will base my continuing existence on whether or not I'm doing well enough. There is no hope 
there. There's only hope in your Savior. So I call you today, no matter where you've been, no matter where you are, that you would come because we are a community of people who have found a champion. And that champion is Jesus. And he has covered all your sin. And when you put your trust in him and you walk in the light and you confess that you sin, I'll tell you the truth, something changes in you. You will change how you see yourself and other people. And when that starts to happen, we start to actually have a community that begins to understand what love really is. It's love that's been found, found by Jesus. Let's pray.